Hey guys, before the show, I wanted to take a second to talk to you about our Instant Investor Program. The Instant Investor Program is our group coaching program, and it is an eight-week program with the goal being to have you talking to motivated sellers within the first two weeks. Believe it or not, you don't have to be the person that's out there overpaying for investment properties and competing with everybody else on the MLS. You also don't have to be one of those investors that flushes thousands of dollars down the toilet on ineffective marketing methods. To talk to motivated sellers on a regular basis, all you need is an effective marketing system, and we will give you the system that we have been using for the last two years, as well as a weekly call where you can sit in with us and other investors and just be a part of a group discussion while everyone works to optimize and grow their businesses. At the end of the day, our goal is to create a like-minded community of people who not only are trying to grow as real estate investors, but as people and as business owners, so they can go and take the knowledge they learn from us and use that to change their lives, just like Dan and I have been able to do. So the question I have for you is, do you really want to keep sort of standing by and waiting for these opportunities to land in your lap, or do you want to get started right now? And if you're ready to jump in and start changing your life for the better, go to instantinvestorprogram.com and book a call with me, and we can hop on a call and see if the program's right for you. Welcome to the Collecting Keys Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Mike DeHaan and Dan Austin. From wins, losses, horror stories, and tactics for optimizing your business, Mike and Dan take a real, uncensored deep dive into the ins and outs of running a full-time real estate investment and wholesaling business. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 23 of the Collecting Keys Real Estate Investing Podcast. We're on the cusp of a lot of things right now, Dan. I can feel it. Yeah, it's good timing. I feel, like I, I feel like we've been saying this every week, but we're like literally on the cusp now because we've started putting some things in motion. We've been saying it every week for two years. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. It's like, oh, I feel like we're about to start having some legitimate success from this. But I will, I will also- say, I will say, it's it's not that we've ever not done good. Well, I'm not going to even go there, but like, it, it's just. You know, all the pops haven't been as big, but there's a steady growth. And we've had some big pops, but not like massive pops. And I think we're, feels massive. It, it does. Yeah. I mean, and you say that, but I mean, we've had some big, big, oh, we pops have sort of mixed yeah. in there. Usually, but usually they're like the unicorn deals that are larger than you expect them to be. It's funny. We always say in that. And I think that's also why it's super important, though, to be tracking your, your numbers and everything because it's, easy to be saying that all the time. And, you know, we can joke that we're always saying that because it always feels like that. But if you track everything, you can look back and say, oh, actually there has been some success there. You know, it hasn't just all been smooth. No, there's been years. a lot of, there's been a lot of great success. I think you and I just have larger visions. And so we're always looking for that larger vision to come to fruition. And it's like this, it's happened quite quickly, but it's also still when you're impatient is not fast enough. It, totally. Yeah. Well, when also too, what happens I think this is really common in real estate space, especially if you've been in it for this last little while where, you know, if you bought property in the last like four years, you're doing pretty freaking awesome right now. You know, everyone is like on top of the world that's been accumulating, especially if you've bought in volume. But uh, as you sort of reach those initial goals significantly quicker than you realize, that becomes like a moving target. And it's like, it's easier to say, I'm going to the next level, I'm going to the next level, I'm going to the next level. And at some point, something that I think about a lot is, what does enough sort of like look like, right? You know, not that I would say we're there at all because I mean, we're not, 
living like extremely comfortably off of our business without having to work a lot. Like we definitely have created a job right now instead of like a business that prints money, which is fine. But, you know, I, I look at some of these people, especially in the GoBundance community and the entrepreneurship community, some of that sort of stuff who they, I don't want to say they like settle, but they get themselves to a point where they're just like, this is good. This is what I need. And that slightly fascinates me because I'm always like, aren't you bored? <laughs> like, are you, like, are you just like bawling that hard that you can entertain yourself endlessly with stuff right, without yeah. necessarily needing to grow? But I, I know I've, that's something that ever since I got into the whole financial freedom, like fire movement, you know, way back when, like the goal was always, oh, I'm going to make $4,000 a month. And then that's like going to cover my expenses and I can just retire or whatever. But then once you reach that surprisingly quickly, it's like, what, what the hell are you going to do with that time? I'm not going to yeah. sit around and play video games all day. Right. Exactly. You get too bored too quickly and you need, you need a mountain to, to climb, right? Yeah. Maybe, you know, you have, you go through different seasons in life. And so maybe that's when you go be a professional bodybuilder or whatever you're into. I know you like to work out. So like, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, so that always has been one of my goals as like a passion project is, you know, I want to get wealthy enough that I can go and I can open like a gym and like a fitness business and not really care if it's successful and just like have it be like my passion project, right? right. Because yeah. I love that. But I also, you know, I, I used to work in that a little bit on like the side and I've studied the business a lot. And when I originally quit my job, my goal was to kind of go into that business, you know, and as I learned about it, I realized how incredibly difficult it is to make it in that business, unless you're like an extreme personality or you're like an extreme level of athlete, you're extremely gifted. And I'm not necessarily that person, especially on that side of it. Like no you're one's not, ever going to look at me and be like, I want to be exactly like that guy. You're, you're not the, you're, you're kind of like liver King, dude. You resemble that guy. Throw out a big beard and like, just get these abs that are bigger than my biceps. I need another 10 years of juicing to get to that level. Yeah. He does juice carrots, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he does. Cause all he eats is, is liver. raw. Yeah. Like raw animal testicles and, and, and liver. Yeah. He's yeah. weird. Yeah. You know, but point being, I guess if you get to a certain level that you can have those passion projects, that's fine. But I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, does your perspective on that differ since you have a kid and another one on the way? Because like, obviously for me, it's just me and my wife right now. So I would definitely get bored, especially because, you know, she likes to work like, we're going to just like a travel. I'm not going to go do the live in a van down by the river thing, which is so no, yeah. like, just fascinating with millennials right now. Yeah, I, I think I, I, well, I just know my personality. I would still need that mountain to climb. I would need mm -hmm. something to work towards and it wouldn't just be like, I don't know, like getting really good at a hobby. Like that just would not interest me because like I have a lot of hobbies and like I get good enough at them and like I don't really need to be the pinnacle of that hobby. I just, you know, I, I excel and I do good. I'm like, okay, new hobby or something like that. Sometimes I wish I had that one thing that I'm like, oh man, I just love doing that every single day. But I know within like three or four years of starting a hobby, I'm going to be... Eh, I'll still do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like mountain biking is a good example. Like I don't do it. Like I used to do it all the time and now I'm just like, I love doing it, but I'm like, I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, yeah, it would, it would definitely be taking the opportunity to just spend more time with my family and kids and all that sort of stuff, because you only get so many years and it's not 18, it's not 30 years with your kids. It's like four or five where you get there, like where they're, they're the, like my daughter right now, in this world loves me and cares about me more than anybody. 
<laughs> I mean, cause that's all she knows, right? Like yeah. you never, you don't get that unconditional love, even from your spouse, right? Like it, it exists, but when you have kids, it's different. And so you might as well take the opportunity to cherish that. So that's probably what I would, I would do. Spend yeah. more time doing that stuff and having more adventures with them. So, yeah, for sure. But even then you said it right there, right? It's only four to five years, but I guess, you know, you could technically pause stuff for four to five years and then yeah. start something up again if you're in a good financial spot at that point. Yeah. And I wouldn't pause anything. It would just be that I would organize it in a way that I could, I could have it suitable to my lifestyle. Yeah. You know, as, as opposed to what you think about in your typical American, which is go to work for spend 40 to anywhere between probably 40 and 60 hours a week focused on your work as a W-2 employee, and then get some level of sleep in there. And then those two or three hours a day with your family. And then maybe on the weekends, you're rushed to do things with your family because you have, you know, only so many hours in a week. That's kind of the model that I think is just kind of silly. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it, and especially these days, because people end up in so many ultimatums with weird things like, oh, I'm going to pay for childcare, but the childcare is going to be so freaking expensive. I might as well not even work. Like one of them, one of the parents might as well not even work anymore because it comes out to scratch zero. And it's, right. you know, a detriment to the kid's development at that point. But yeah, I mean, I think if you can be in a place where, you know, financially and work-life balance wise that you can do that and you still be getting further ahead financially without having to sacrifice everything. I think that's kind of the golden goose for a lot of people, but still, I mean, like you put it, you got to have that mountain to climb though. Like on that, that's kind of like a, I don't know, maybe it's just my ignorant. If you're not having kids, it feels to me like walking in a prairie. It's like, it's like, sure. It's beautiful, but you're not actually gonna like, you know, you can enjoy it for the moment, but then it's not going to like necessarily elevate you. I don't know. Maybe that, can, yeah. maybe, maybe that makes me sound super ignorant. I'm also, I'm very close with like my direct family, but I didn't necessarily grow up in like a kid's family, you know, where everything was around the kids. Like when I was growing up, my parents, we kind of did stuff to accompany them and what they were doing. Like they, they did a lot of stuff for us, you know, like supporting right. us doing sports and activities and those sort of things. But a lot of the time it was like, oh, hey, they want to go to travel somewhere. If it doesn't make sense for the kids, then kids are staying home with a nanny and they would go for like two to three weeks at a time and like just do stuff, right? Or even on like a regular basis, like we spent a lot of time with a childcare person. And, you know, I think there's a lot to that. Like my parents were in a position they could afford that, but also too, I think back then it wasn't nearly as expensive as it is now right. to do things like that. Like, I mean, I remember our nanny would come and stay with us and she like had a job, you know, and we would go to school and then she would just come in you know, pick us up after school and was basically like our parent, you right. know? Yeah. So I don't even know what compensation and stuff looked like for that. But yeah, well, it's definitely probably easier as, as you get, uh, your kids get older to do stuff like that too. Yeah. And I don't That's think true. you should at all, like give up your life. Cause there are some people that take it to the extreme where they give up their life for their kids. And I think, I don't think it's like a bad thing, but then I think it sets poor expectations for your kids and also sets poor expectations for you later in life of like, what do you do now? Mm-hmm. Like you gave everything, like you should sacrifice all that sort of stuff is good for your family, but you should still also have a good relationship with your spouse and not like have your relationship as your kids as a conduit for a relationship to your spouse, which you see mm-hmm. a lot. And it's hard yeah. not to do that because kids take a lot of time and you also, you know, shouldn't just only devote everything to that and not have some personal, like you got to grow the other gardens in your life right? For you personally, you got to have hobbies and all these sorts of things for you that are only you that is not necessarily involving other people. For sure. And I think that is one of the most misunderstood and untalked about things in the entire space is that self-development and 
being comfortable doing things for yourself in almost a slightly selfish way, you know, because you see that everywhere people are doing all these things for their family and all that sort of stuff, which is awesome. But at the same time, that doesn't lead to a healthy individual situation. You know, we're all individual beings at the end of the day. We all have our own wants and needs. And even if you want to put everything first for your family, you should. But, you know, things go awry. You know, your your kids grow up, they move on. You no longer have a relationship with your wife. You know, your wife decides that she doesn't want to be a part of whatever you're doing and you have nothing for yourself. That's when you get into a really bad situation. Yeah. Yeah, man. Your wife, a spouse. There's probably some females that do this. So this can go both ways. This isn't just for dudes. Yeah. Hey, but, we're we're pretty cool about that. Like, if it's a you know same sex marriage, whatever. You know, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> or or if, or if it's a wife that's out there hustling. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the big things too. Like in in our marriage, my wife, I'm all, I'm always encouraging her to do things for herself, to like development, and to like you know, you have your friends that you want to do stuff with. That's fine. Like, I don't have to be included in that. Like seriously, you know, you can go and enjoy that. Or like she's doing her own career development. She's doing her own stuff. Not because like I just think that, you know, we're going to break up or something, but purely just because I think it's healthy to have a selfish thing that is only about you. And that's where a lot of your personal growth comes from and like satisfaction yep. as well. No, nope, that's great. You're getting ready to do some of that, aren't you? Tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're going on a, on a trip. I mean, this is kind of the the nice thing I think about building a team in a remote business and having a business partner who's willing to put up with my shit all the time <laughs> is, uh, you know, yeah, we, we get a gallivanting. Yeah. <laughs> we, we get to travel a lot, but that's kind of the compromise I guess I'd make with myself for, um, working pretty much every single day while we're home is mm-hmm. I like to travel. So yeah, I'll head off to Costa Rica tomorrow. I'm going to be there for a week and it's, I mean, it's kind of funny. We're like experienced enough travels at this point that we don't make like a lot of plans. Like we pretty, we pretty much know that we're going to Costa Rica and we have our accommodations booked, which we just booked like two weeks ago. And we're like, cool, I guess we'll just figure it out once we get there. Yeah. That's sometimes the best though. You get like a little bit more, it's like the candid photos, you know, at the wedding are always better than the professional photos. You're so right. You You just have more of an adventure, which sticks with you a little bit longer than, you know, having every little detail plan and you're rushing to get to one place or the other. And like some days you're like, you know what? I'm on vacation. I'm traveling. I don't want to do shit today. Like let's chill out and just stay around town here. And then other days you're like, Hey, let's go and surf in Costa Rica. 100%. Yeah. I mean the, probably the best, not necessarily the best. I mean, it might be the best. I've done a lot of cool trips, but one of my favorite trips that I've ever done was me and my, and uh, my wife went to Iceland and we literally had no plans. All we knew was we were going to go to Iceland and we were going to get a camper van sort of thing, which was like a little work truck with like a mattress in the back. <laughs> and, we, and we were going to just drive around the whole thing. We were like, we knew it was 800 miles and we had a very loose idea about how far we had to go each day. And besides that, we just like landed in Reykjavik and we're like, shit, what do we do now? So I guess we'll figure it out. And we just went oh, and man. it was such an awesome experience. And, you know, we would just go like where we would stop would depend on the weather you know, kind of how we were feeling, like, you know, what we wanted to do, if there was like hikes or stuff that we wanted to do that was in those areas. And it was just awesome. You know, and the, the downside of that was what you can expect in the last couple of days. We were like, damn, we got to start booking it because right. we're not where we need to be. But uh, so we missed out on a couple of things on the very end, but it's still an awesome experience. Yeah. Great adventure. You, you got a great wife that will allow you to sleep in a uh, back of a truck with a mattress. Hey, that, that quip I made before about the, uh, 
not wanting to do the band by the river life, she would 100% do that as long as her dog could come along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the bougie one. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't deny that for one second. Um, so cool. But uh, yeah, lots of stuff going on. It's funny. I was thinking about it this week. I know we talked last week how we were having kind of a slow week. I feel like it's still a little bit slow, but we're kind of on the precipice of things starting to pick up. But then I was looking at the month too. It's like, man, it's been a slow month, but we still have three signed around deals for the month of March. And this is also why it's important to reflect on your data because, I mean, in the past, having three deals in a month, we're like, dang, it's pretty freaking good. Bopping. We're sitting, yeah, we're sitting <laughs> in a good spot right now. Yeah. The three deals are ready. Yeah. It's only the second week in March. I mean, we got lots of opportunities that could come together over the next little bit. So it's always it's always perspective just to make sure Absolutely. that you're analyzing and you're reflecting on that stuff. But yeah, so we're launching in a couple new markets, looking at a uh, Chicago area. It's outside of there. There's a bunch of places we're starting to market to. We're looking at some places over in like the East coast and the South that we're not like firm, firm on yet, but we have some pretty good idea that we're going to be doing that here shortly. Right now we're just in the process of growth and it's a very different deal from when we started where we're just like very real estate focused. And now it's like how to build a business and how to build business systems, you know, and as our, we're doing that, our needs for education and process and everything has started to adjust. So, you know, we're working with a business coach, potentially coach, maybe I'm not really sure what like the total relationships going to meet look like, but we have a go, we have a go abundance guy who's I've been connecting with, who has scaled a large business who we're, we haven't, I mean, he's booked 90, minutes with us today with his staff included so i'm not sure what the conversation is going to consist yeah, of i'm but. kind of excited to see i saw that i was like where who are all these people yeah he's bringing the team man yeah, like he dude. wants to have a serious talk because i gave him the initial pitch a couple weeks ago and he just like kind of shredded me and he's like bro he's like the way that you're operating this business is not gonna grow well he's like you're the you're the choke point in this which is fine um, I mean, it's true. And I think any small business sort of deals with that. And then his basic response was, oh, let's meet next week. I'm going to, he's like, send me a total outline of your business. Let's meet in a couple of weeks. I'm going to bring my entire crew and we're going to pick it apart and we're going to go. I love it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the, the, the difference is like our business is really great for what we're doing, like how mm-hmm. we're operating now, like as far as systems. Yeah. Obviously you can always optimize and make it better to where it's more of a, I don't know what you'd call it kind of, you know, just hands off business, but when you're trying to grow nationally, like I think that's a whole nother ball game. And we're talking about launching two more markets and probably a couple more by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That, you know, just you and I talking about it, you're like, oh man. So we got to do what we're doing here, but then do that in all these other markets. And it just gets, it could get it. You could see how fast it could scale out of hand. Even For just sure. the accounting of it and just all the back end systems you have to have to run a business and scale those mm-hmm. can no longer be like, oh, we'll figure it out. It's like, nah, we should probably figure it out now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the the way that we were running that we have been running it is great for, you know, anyone that wants to do stuff locally or like even in like a couple of markets and run a small career. I mean, you can make a solid living doing that. You can have, I mean, more importantly, you can have the opportunity to buy properties at a super awesome discount. That this is what we're telling our people in our instant investor program all the time is it's funny. As people have as you started that up, we had our first sort of like full week this week, which I feel like was, had was a lot great. of good traction. Like we had our meeting yesterday. People are definitely starting to get a lot from the content and they're starting to engage, come with good questions, all that sort of stuff. But one of the tones, 
which I think is maybe on us is people are getting that they need to like set this thing super huge in order for it to work, which isn't true. You know, this is what I said to everyone yesterday is that if you want to take the systems that we've established and that we teach in the instant investor group, which is literally our business playbook, you can do that as working a full-time job, doing it part-time. If you just want to have the opportunity to invest and like build a better retirement or like, you know, some additional income for yourself without having to overpay for properties or whether you want to do it as like a small time operation that becomes your full time income, you know, and you kind of want to be a one or two man show doing that. It's infinitely scalable on like a local level. And it's only, you know, or like a couple markets level. It's only when you want to go like big, big that you're going to run into the other problems. Yeah. yeah the we, issues are scaling. Yeah. That's yeah. how you and I started, right? Like, hey, we just want to buy rental properties. We're trying to buy cash flow and let's just do this on the side, this wholesale business on the side so we can buy more properties. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, that's how we started. And we just quickly realized that we could scale it locally and we did. And we decided to go much bigger than I think either of us could have envisioned in the beginning. And now we're going 10Xing that than we thought we ever would have. Because why not? Yeah, exactly. And, and and we came from a place too, where we had a little bit of financial reserves and stuff like that. I mean, that's why we a- approached it with the realm of, we want to uh, buy rental properties because we both had okay incomes when we first started. You know, I was doing the development stuff, good hourly rate as a contractor. You know, you were working your job, making a good salary. And then as we started to grow that, we're like, we want to invest in real estate to have additional income, but buying these properties off the market doesn't make sense. So let's go find them. But then, you know, as we got reminded, as we jumped into the first project, we spent so much money on the first couple of projects that we bought that all of a sudden it was completely hamstringing our marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's funny too, because for some people that's fine. Like, because like, cool, I got my project for the year. I'm going to save money for the next one. But so I think that was where the climb in the mountain and both of us kind of got stirred because we were like, why are we stopping this? Like we see the income part opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. how do we how do we escalate that? Yeah. And that's how we got more into the wholesaling and the flipping and all those sort of situations. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. There, and there's just I don't know when you see opportunity in front of you. It's like for me, it's hard to not take advantage of that opportunity and grow something. And and you and I both have an entrepreneurial spirit where we do want to run a business, and this just turned into that pretty quickly for us. Yeah, exactly. I got to stop saying that too. Someone pointed out that I say that a lot and I'm What's trying that? to not do it. I say exactly all the time. I'm putting myself on blast right now because it freaking yeah. drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. So if you listen and you say, man, he says that word a lot. I know it's my filler word. I'm trying to not do it. I didn't even hear it. What's your filler word? Exactly. That's what I say uh, all the time. Yeah. 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 Judd, our, our guy, he was like, I had any feedback. Try to say that less. And now I think about it. And I think I have dialed it back, but it still slips okay. out. And every I'll time call you, I'll like, call you. Oh, out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I talked to you enough. I'm just like, yeah, of course you said you exactly. You just don't even hear yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it is interesting how it just sort of goes from one to the next. And that's why I always really sort of emphasize with people that you need to just jump in and start doing it. And this is what I've said to people in our group as well is just start marketing. And when you start talking to people, you'll know pretty quick what you want this to look like. Just based off of how you handle the wide range of conversations you're going to get from sellers when they call in, like the first person that comes in and is super nasty towards you, which will happen, if that kind of breaks a piece of your spirit, 
this probably isn't for you. Or, or you need to hire somebody else's spirit to or get you, broken. Totally, 100%. <laughs> or, you, or, or you need to be understanding that you need to outsource that and you need to be willing and able to take on staff. But at the same time, not everyone wants to do that, right? It's like everything else. You kind of have to, I don't want to say try before you buy, but you got to like try it before you commit. You know, it's like if you're going to get into mountain biking, I highly recommend that you, you know, go and try it before you start labeling yourself as a mountain biker, you know, in the general community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Rent a bike first. Yeah. Right. Riding, yeah. yeah. You know, or, or start with like a appropriate budget for that first bike, you know, before you go and spend like $14,000 on the sickest bike that you can. Yeah. Buy. I mean, or you just aspire to, you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm a mountain biker and you aspire to that brand. I mean, there's, you're not wrong. Honestly though, like if you're, if you're that committed and you just want to fake it till you make it, I also think there's yeah. something that can be said there <laughs> Yeah, on the investor side. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you, if, if you just go in and you have the ability to just start spending huge money on marketing, you will get a lot of opportunities and that will be an extremely fast education. Right. Well, that's what I, I do like to when I'm coaching and mentoring like new, new investors that haven't done anything. I'm like, well, first thing you need to do is you need to start telling everybody you're an investor and you need to start hanging around with investors. So that is kind of like the fake until you make it. And yeah, you're going to catch a little bit of shit for like being that, that over eager guy saying he's an investor even though you haven't done anything. But the minute you do a deal and you turn something that's shitty into gold, people will mm-hmm. call you an investor. And they will, they will respect you. It doesn't matter if it's like the most experienced person in your market, the biggest player, or just another, you know, peer of yours. But like, if you go and buy a deal from a wholesaler and it's kind of a janky deal, but you make it work and you make some money or you gain experience, you've just got a thousand percent more respect from that community. And now you are an investor and now people will bring more deals to you because they're like, Hey, this guy can turn shit into gold. Yeah. He's willing to put the hustle in. They're willing to commit. I think it's just a mindset thing. Totally. And even on the marketing side too, if you're, you know, you go and you send one thing of mailers out or you do like one round of cold calling, whatever you're trying to do, and then you quit, everyone's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Like you can't You're like it, you everybody know? else. You're just like everybody else. Yeah. Everyone else. There's so many one, like sort of one shot people that go through this business. But if all of a sudden you're the guy that's, you know, the guy or girl, you're the group that is sending multiple batches, you're pursuing things, you will have opportunities and tell you what, I I say this from my own personal experience. There's like certain people that I get mailers from for my deals and I get like one-off ones all the time. There's ones that I start to see like three or four times in a row. I'm like, okay, now I'm paying attention. Like you're obviously trying to do something and that sets a different precedence. And now I know if it's somebody I don't know and I meet them in the wild, I'm going to view them very differently than the one who just sent me one thing whose name I probably don't even remember. Right. Yeah. So the the commitment's super key. And I, I think like you said, they're being around other investors. That's the huge value in joining a group. Honestly, I know like places like bigger pockets say, you know, go to a RIA, do all, you know, a real estate meetup, do all those sort of things, connect with realtors. Honestly, I personally think that's a waste of time looking at just like the modern state of things, because that becomes like a social club. But a lot of the people from our experience don't actually do anything at those meetings. Like they're there to talk about real estate. It's whereas joining a group, you have people that have put money on the line in order to learn a system and they have made a commitment to take action. Like once once you sign up for a program, you know, you're paying money for it. Everyone in that group is committed. Like no one, no one's gonna go and spend five thousand dollars and just be like, eh, never mind. But everyone can go to a once a week RIA meetup and literally the next day, or even in the car home, forget everything that they talked about there. Totally. Yep. 
Yeah, that's it's more of a social club for sure. I think as a new investor, I'll still caveat that with at least you can find some of the players there. But you're absolutely Maybe. right. Nobody's not necessarily going to commit to you. But when you're in a group like that, like everybody's taking massive action and they're trying to do the same thing and they're trying to work together to get to that common place. And so you're going to have so much more value of people like peer-to-peer network within that group. Exactly. Yeah. She did it again right there, motherfucker. Ah, exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, let me, uh, before we close out, I would like to at least give a positive update. You know, we've had some property management, I don't know, problems recently, but I feel like with the negative, there's always a positive and we have a eight unit under under management that we just bought, what, December last year? Yeah, it was, it was like last day of the year. Was it like 30th or something? Yeah, it was like, like the last day we could close the last year. Anyhow, got a message from our PM saying you know that he was able to rent one of our units. So I guess to step back, we bought it. Like The rents were like 495 like pretty low for that area, for that market. Uh, nice little two-bed, one baths. And I think we were hoping, what, like 700 And that we had slowly like, okay, we'll raise rents and all that. So we just decided to pull the bandaid off and we got our first vacancy and the guy rented it for 750. We told him 700 and he's like, I got you 750 on it. I was like, heck yeah. You know, like that is awesome. And so, you know, by the end of the summer, if people don't move out, but they're going to get rent increases basically to 750. I mean, that value add, I mean, what is that? 250 bucks a unit. And then the next thing I just looked at the water bill, it's like 800 bucks a month. And we just figure out how to kind of reduce that through the tenants. I mean, that value add on this thing is going to be crazy. And I will eat crow because I was a little worried that we were buying this building. <laughs> you and I have still not seen it. That has nothing to do with it. Not, sight unseen does nothing to do with it, but just yeah. the location of it, the the where it's at, it's a pretty rural area. But yeah, I think it might be good. I mean, there's people that want to rent rural areas too, man. I believe that, but it's, yeah. 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 I just, I, mean, I, need, I needed some coercion, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the big thing I'll say in defense of that too, it's a rural area, but it's an eight unit apartment complex. It's not like we bought a 35 unit apartment complex in a rural area. Eight units, like you can find you can find eight people in a bar in a rural place that like probably need somewhere to live. You know? <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> It'd be better if there was a bar upstairs or something. Yeah. Oh, there um, you go. There, yeah. there's the value add. I wonder if we if we get rid of one of the units and we turn it into like a brewery. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they'd like that. It'd have to be cheap beer though. None of that microbial shit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So when I say brewery, I mean we brew like PBR or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, something. we label it as a brewery. It's just Moonshine. it's just like Coors Light on tap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, I do think though, I mean, just to like step back a little bit. I mean, if you haven't been involved in like multifamily or anything like that, being able to increase the NOI is really where the value is at. And so typically what you see is rental increases paired with cost reductions, right? And so then your NOI, your, your net operating income grows and then whatever cap rate the appraiser in this case, because we're going to burr it, believes that would be a market, a good market rate for a cap rate, divide divide your NOI by that and that's your value add. And so we're definitely looking at a pretty, pretty fat value add. I mean, what are your estimates when we initially bought this thing? So when we initially bought it, I had the as-is value at like 700 based off of what I estimated for caps. We bought it for 475 and we've done literally zero work to it. So, I mean, fixed up, I think I had it at 750. I think I only ran numbers at 700 and I think at 700, I had a value of like 970. So at 750, it should be over a million. Yeah. So that's just amazing. We'll definitely be able to burr this bad boy. For sure. And you know, for us, it'll be because we have a private investor that helped us fund it and it'll be finding the sweet spot of like what we pay them off 
for versus we get the cash flow that we want versus maybe pull out some extra that we can use to go and apply other places. Yep. It'll be a balance. It'll be a math equation we'll figure out and we'll we'll share it once we're there. I think we still got, I don't know, four or five months before we're ready to finalize the numbers and actually get it closed out. But yeah. Well, I think we have to season it for six months before we can do a uh, refi on it. So are they are they all at seven fifty right now? Or just the No, I mean the 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 rent increases have gone out. And so he said he hadn't had anybody move like saying they're gonna move out, but that person already said they're gonna move out and so he released that one. So the rent increases are out. Yeah, I mean I would assume say ninety days, whatever the rent increase thing is. And so that's why I say like four or five months before we're done with our rent increases and it's been hitting that six month seasoning. Mm. Sweet. Yeah, that'll come up here pretty quick. Sort of in March. Cool. I like it. And then aside from that, I mean, aside from our oil disaster, which we've already talked about a ton, everything else is getting dialed in. Our property manager in-house, Judd, is getting it figured out. I'm starting to feel good about those systems here. You're getting some quick turns on a couple empty places. Yeah, man. I like, that's not like I'm excited for that side to finally be kind of like stabilized. Cause I think that's been kind of like the biggest thing is we've been balancing that with all of the acquisitions and flips and everything else. But yeah. I feel like we're right on the cusp of being able to kind of set all that and forget it and just collect some mailbox money for a little bit, which will be yeah. first time for us jointly since we've always been fixing up rental properties for as long as we've had them. It continues to grow and then you're trying to use like your capital to grow it and all that sort of stuff. And you've got carry costs on it when you're doing two burrs at once and all that sort of shit. So, yeah. Yep. So right on, let's get out of here. And you guys listening, if you are interested in our instant investor program, we are off to a hot start right now. We got a bunch of investors in there that have come in are starting to take action. People are starting to get there. We just started it first of March. It's now the 11th when we're recording this, we're going to have uh, some hundred people dropping mails and having pretty sick opportunities here. So I'm excited for those to be coming through. But basically what it is, is it is a turnkey process that we teach you how to build a business that's exactly the same as ours. It means pretty much our entire playbook for our business. You have a bunch of uh, do-it-yourself videos on there that you can go and build all, all the systems. And then we meet once a week to answer questions, present new stuff that we're working on, just sort of help each other out and build a little community. And our goal is basically a national community that's all building off the same processes so we can learn and grow together. And we got people from locally here in Washington, to the Midwest, to the South, all over the place. So pretty diverse group. And yeah, if you're interested in that, go to instantinvestorprogram.com, book a call with me. And uh, I would love to chat with you and sort of see if you'd be a good fit. Aside from that, you can follow us on socials, on Instagram at Mike underscore invest. I'm also now on TikTok at uh, Mike underscore invest three. Hell yeah. So that's a stretch for me, but you'll... Uh, <laughs> If you're a TikTok guy, you can find me on there. I couldn't be normal Mike Invest because there's a another guy that does like stock and day trading things. Oh, dork. Um, I know, right? But uh, follow me at Mike underscore invest on Instagram and you can follow Dan at Investor Man Dan. And besides that, go and uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We're starting to get some reviews, Dan. We should talk about those at some point. Ooh, we, have, yes. uh, we have a handful of five-star reviews on iTunes, which is actually pretty dope. Nice. Heck yeah. Cool. Right on. All right. You're on the spot. Send us off. Okay. Uh, 
I don't got anything. Sorry. (laughs) See, so my thing is going to be the exactly. Yours is going to be that you never have a send off. Let's go. Uh, This is Investor Man Dan and Costa Rica Mike signing off. See you all next week. (laughs) You're going to start stealing from David Green, just making up fake names. I know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I haven't even listened to that podcast in a while. I should. I I haven't either. Not since Brandon Turner left. Yeah. It's bleh. Anyway. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out at CollectingKeysPodcast.com for tips and guides on starting your own real estate investment and wholesaling business.